0: Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Timothy McGow. 10 years of career and volunteer experience. Currently a backstep firefighter for the city of Kannapolis on Engine 31 and cadre member of Twisted Fire Industries. I want to truly thank Tim for coming on and discussing a situation that he most certainly did not have to divulge for anyone who listens to this podcast. Tim's message centers around family and that hopefully you have the right individuals in your corner if things should ever go awry within your life. With that, I present Mr. Timothy McGow. All
1: right. Um Timothy McGow.
0: Uh, most people call me Magoo, so that works just fine.
1: I got in the fire service uh, about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, as a volunteer in a, at a department in Guilford County. Um, I did not grow up in the fire service. I wanted to do it as a teenager. And funny story, my dad would not let me go to our local town training meetings because they were on church nights. And my dad's a preacher, and he's like, well, you're not doing that. So uh, I didn't get to do it as a as a teenager, and then when I was a, a young adult, about in my or in my early twenties, um, I wound up moving across the street from a firehouse, and they were a volunteer combination department. I got on as a volunteer. Uh, I was a mechanic at the time, and I absolutely just fell in love. I was working as a second shift mechanic and taking my classes at night time to do this and um, did that for a couple of years. And I actually started uh, that department was my first full-time department. Okay. And so I worked there for about a year and uh, went to work for the city of Asheboro after that for three years. And then about two years ago, went to work for the city of Annapolis. Okay.
0: Um, With that being said, you obviously switched departments. Um, how much of a challenge was that for you to do that?
1: Um, So the first time, the the department I started with, it was combination volunteer and paid. Um, We were hired as drivers. So you come in and literally in your hiring test, I'm going to keep drinking this thing, by the way, this this cider, my throat is like tore up right now. Um, In your hiring test, you had to test as a driver and pump operator, et cetera. Um, and I had been working part-time somewhere already, which gave me a little bit of experience. And But I, I wanted something different. I wanted um, I wanted to experience the the work pace and the excitement, I guess, of a municipality department that did not have combination volunteer and paid. Um, so I had already moved to the Asheboro area. And Ashboro had an opening. I had some friends there, and I was like, "Sure, I'll shoot for it." And I got the job. Um, I so that 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 first step was uh, was pretty easy, going from a combination to a full municipality like that. That that wasn't hard at all, um, and being closer to home. Um, I worked there for three years. Started out on the ladder company. Um, you know, you know Michael Cavanis, right? Um, the name sounds brother. Familiar. He. He's with RCCC. The, uh, he was at OSFM, and now he's with the college right right. Um, there, Rowan Cabarrus. Okay. Um, his brother, Robert Cavanaugh, was my, my captain at Asheboro for a little while. Um, I worked for him on the ladder company pretty pretty short time and then got bumped over to Engine 21 at Asheboro. And I stayed there for most of my three years at Asheboro. Um worked as a backstep fireman and a relief driver there on the engine company. And um, the transition from Asheboro to Kannapolis was probably the difficult one for me. Uh, I went from a department where I would run, I hope my numbers aren't right, but about 1,300 calls a year, I think that's right, um, on on my engine, and um, to double the calls. Um, and um, I went from having being 10 minutes away from home as a uh, senior fireman and relief driver uh, making a decent salary to taking a pay cut being over an hour away from home and going to a recruit school at 30 years old. Um, so that was, uh, that was difficult. That was uh that was a bit of a culture shock to me. Um, Annapolis was a culture shock to me. Uh-huh. I'm definitely not one of the hometown boys <laughs> and uh it was um, the whole. The culture is very different between the departments. Very, very different. Um, that was uh, that was actually an experience making that transition from Ashboro to Kannapolis. Um It was that was a terrifying one, to be totally honest. Um, I remember I I talked to my battalion chief a lot. I had a great battalion chief, like fantastic guy. I worked for him part time as a chief in the county, I'm like I would. I would go back and work for that man any day. Um but I, I talked to him a lot about where we were at Ashborough and I had um I've tried to be on um tried to make some different moves and some different directions at Asheboro, and it just wasn't happening. I'm like, look chief, I'm just not happy here. Like I, I want more out of the fire service and I'm not I'm not criticizing the city of Ashborough. Uh since I left they have done man, they've done phenomenal things. I'm super proud of where they're at. But um at the time I was there it wasn't for me. And, um, I was like, man, I I just want more. I want more. I was like, but I, I'm, I'm terrified to leave. And, um, he stayed really tight with me, helped me out a lot, uh, did a lot to help me while I was there. I waited about a year knowing I wanted to leave before I actually put my application in somewhere else. And, um, that's probably the only regret that I have is waiting so long. Like I knew I wanted more and, and I, and he told me, he's like, dude, you need to go. Like there's no hard feelings. You, you need to go do something different. Um, so in um, Janu- January of 2021, I want to say, or maybe December of 2020, um, Charlotte opened up their process. I put in for Charlotte. And then uh, I had a conversation with um, actually Chris and Cody Clark um, when we were teaching a class that December – or January, excuse me, um, at Asheboro. And he's like, I told him i put in for Charlotte. And he said, "Why don't you play for Canapolis?" Like, Where's Canapolis? <laughs> <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> like I'm not from Charlotte, area, you know. Like I, I knew nothing about the city. Right. And he, and so uh, he gave me some information, and I looked, and I wrote up there, and I checked it out. I was like, "Man, this is cool!" Like, um, and so I put in. Um, COVID was going on during that time, and so Charlotte's process got cut drastically. It kind of extended. Mm-hmm. Um, they like put a put a hold on it for a long time, and so Canapolis process went quicker. And uh, I talked to my battalion chief. Uh, I talked to Michael Cavanis too. Uh, I told him I was like, "Hey, man, I'm scared." He said, "Hey, if it doesn't terrify you, you're probably if, if it does not terrify you, you probably should not be doing it. Maybe you you just need to just go for it." So um, took the advice of the council that had had my back for that whole time, and I took the step and um, took a position in a Kannapolis, uh, went through the recruit school. Um, another fun fact of this, I uh, I had been out of recruit school at K-Town for about two weeks, and I was actually working an overtime shift with Ladder 14, and we had went to, out to, to eat lunch, and I got the phone call from Charlotte um, where they had halted my process mid-process. I'd already done some of the tests and interviews. Um, they're like, hey, we're we're rebooting your process or whatever terminology she used. And she said, we'd like to schedule your next interview to come in and do a face to face interview. And, um, that was two weeks out of recruit school. Um, and, uh, I actually scheduled the interview because I mean, like it's the Charlotte fire department, you know, right. Like right. They're the big, they're the big dogs on the block. Right. And, um, So I scheduled the interview, and I went back, and I sat down to eat lunch. And um, I specifically remember sitting there at lunchtime. I was sitting with a couple guys. um, I'm pretty sure it was Ronald Sloop was there, and um, the rest of the ladder crew I was working overtime with. um, And like, I'm watching these guys like laugh and cut up and just have a good time. And then I start going in my head of everything I just went through in recruit school, and I'm just like, man this is, um, this is not the right decision. I, I don't, I don't need to do this. And so I walked back outside after about 15, 20 minutes, I called her back and I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to back out of the process. And she's like, well, can I ask you why? And I told her, and she's like, no problem. We, I appreciate that. Um, you know, best of luck in what you do. And so I went back in and, um, with every – moving forward through the rest of the next two years, how they went for me, which we might get into later if you want to, um, that was the best decision, um, absolute best decision ever. Like, I love – I love where I work. I love coming into work. Um, <clears throat> great group of guys, great department, great culture, um, guys that are better firemen than I could
0: ever even hope to be. It's It's a solid place to be. All right. Um, now I, I like uh, I like I like how you explain that because not every you know sometimes people have the the notion of I want to go do this but they don't because they're hesitant the fear which I totally get it you're you're human so the the fear of the unknown what if this happens oh. what if that happens things of that nature I I totally get it but you went with your gut and good thing you surrounded yourself with good people. That are actually going to tell you good advice, not people that are going to tell you, "Oh man, that, that's a crazy idea. You should just stay here, even though you're not happy." Uh, you know, r- ride it out, and things might change. So you went with your gut, and and um, and you're at a department now where, where where you definitely feel feel involved.
1: And you know, and like I said before, it's definitely not to knock where I was. Um, I came in, I came into the city of Asheboro at a time that was a tough time to be. Here. Like it, it was a very tough time to be a fireman there. Um, they lost some good firemen over that period of time, and since I've been gone, um, man, the steps that have been made by Chief Summers and a lot of the guys that have moved up into positions of leadership are fantastic. Like it is fantastic, um, and I'm, I'm I love watching that. But at the time, it wasn't where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the crew that I was on, the captain that I worked for um it was it was not good there was a lot of bad and um i was lucky enough to have good people there um other officers that i had relationships with that gave me advice sound advice that definitely did not um did not cut me any slack um like i'd say this is this is just kind of a sidebar but the best advice you're given is the advice that forces you to look inward and not outward and everybody else is the problem. And I was lucky enough to have some people in my corner that did exactly that. And um, so that helped me to make the decision that I made. Um, And, you know, you mentioned it was terrifying. Dude, I was – at the time, I was married. I had three kids. You know, I was 10 minutes from home. I had bought a home, what, three years prior, just outside of the area. Like, it was – Leaving all of that to go to a department to chase my dream of the type of fireman that I wanted to be and work with, that was absolutely terrifying. Um, looking back as life progressed, I can see God's hand in that and how like he, he definitely laid out my path to do that and how it was absolutely, absolutely the right decision. And uh, I'm glad I took the hard advice from people that I did and, and made those decisions
0: can't argue with you there can't argue with you there at all um i know you wanted to talk about certain topics so let's start with um your kids you, you mentioned that your kids are very important if anybody knows you follows you on know, social media you know <laughs> we, we see your posts on your kids so um yeah and you know a, a lot of guys who who tend to want to be good at the job and love the job sometimes tend to put the job above family um, yes, so, right. how how important are your kids to
1: you? Um, I think you know you ask anybody that question, they're going to say, "Hey, they're my whole world, right?" But it's very easy to feel that way. It's very hard to act that way, especially when you are men like we yeah. are, who want to serve, who wants to do the best, who wants to work hard, who wants to progress. It's it's easy to have that feeling in your soul that says, "Hey, my kids are my whole world." It's very, very hard to put that into physical time spent with them and and um, those relationships. And that's just that's just the hard truth of the matter. It's not easy. Like our our culture has create we have created a culture in our society that pulls fathers out of the homes. Um and so it, it's very difficult to find that balance. So um but anyway, um, so how important are they to me? I mean they're 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 everything. Um but I definitely went through the period of time to where, although my kids were my world, they definitely were not my focus. Um, I went through the period in my career to where the job most definitely had priority over um, over my family, over my children. Um, I definitely did that, and that's that's some real talk. And I'm not about to get emotional in a coffee shop in Georgia right now, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, I definitely went through. I definitely went through that. Um, and you know, how do I say this? Regardless of how the rest of my my last few years have gone, and everything that has been done, essentially to me, that does not take away the responsibility that I have to look and be like, okay, even though these things were done to me that were wrong, I messed up here. I I still must own the responsibility that for a part of my career, I let the job, the conferences, the the money, um, everything else be a priority over the time with my family. And for me, it took my family being having a grenade dropped in my family and my family blowing apart to realize just how important they were. Um, you know, I, I I tend to learn every lesson the hard way. <laughs> uh, I've been that way my whole life. Like, man, I I, I got a hard head because I keep slamming into brick walls. You know, like I do it to myself. and that that was definitely the case with this. Um, you know, now now things are things are great. You know, um, my kids are with me half the time. Um, I fought a very hard battle to have that right. Um and uh now the balance is good the work balance is good and and um we can we can dive into that if you want to i'm okay with it but uh that, yeah. that's definitely something that i did not do well of.
0: no, no the floor is yours go
1: ahead um all right so what's a good starting point so um if if anyone knows me they know like i'm divorced um i was married for 8 years oh my god i gotta of this thing <clears throat> I was married for eight years. I have three kids, three freaking awesome, uh, wired tight, 100 mile an hour children (laughs) with all the attitude of their father. (laughs) Um, But I was married for eight years. I have three kids. Um, I went through a very bad um, separation and divorce that really started, um, it kicked off in February of 2021. Um I was actually at work at Asheboro and um my ex-wife decided to show up at my work and come after me at, at the firehouse with a baseball bat. Um she claimed I'd had an affair and I had not, but it didn't matter. <laughs> um and um so I wound up that day uh I wound up being attacked with a bat and a hammer. Um my coworkers were threatened with a hammer. Um, the police were called, but they didn't come till after everybody had left and there was no report filed. Like it was a, it was a mess. It it pretty much went to the wash. And so, um, that was in February of 2021. And, uh, the next several months were a lot of turmoil back and forth. Um, I did try to make some amends to work my family back together again. Um, and um, it wound up not working. Um, in October of 2021, I wound up having to leave my house. Um, I had been in recruit school during that time. I got hired by the city of Kannapolis, um, I want to say April or May of 2021, and spent the summer in recruit school. During that time, um, I was contacted by the wife of a man that my wife was allegedly having an affair with. Um, I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, your wife is doing this. Your kids are being brought here. Like you need the heads up on this. Um, That was in August of 2021. Um, In October, um, I'm trying to test you what I talk about here and what I don't talk about. But (laughs) In October, um, I had my bank account cleaned out. And I had to find somewhere else to sleep. Um, I was still working at Canapos at the time. Uh, I spent a lot of nights um, coming in very early in the morning. And, like, my wife would get home from work around, like, three or four. And I would get up and leave. And I'd go to the firehouse, the station, and I'd crash on the couch in the bed. And um, that was pretty normal. Um, I would be at the house when my kids were there. And... When she was not, and then whenever she was there, I'd I'd be gone, um, just to avoid any confrontations. I had been accused of abuse, and so as, like, the advisors that I had, were well, I look, if you're not there, she can't say anything. So I just chose not to be there to try and calm the situation. Uh, looking back, I would not give anyone that advice, um, but that was the advice I had at the time. And, man, if you've ever been in that type of position, anyone listening to this whoever ever has, you know that your brain is not. It's not working like it's uh, this, there's so much turmoil up there because you're watching the family that you love completely fall apart and you're watching the children be burnt. Um, so I did that, um, and then uh, <laughs> in November of 2021, I was um dropping my kids off. And, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole details of the story. Um, luckily I kept the recording in my pocket the entire evening, but, um, I wound up being backed up against my back door, trying to let my kids be dropped off, let her know I was picking them up for Thanksgiving since she had to work and, um, I was not allowed to leave. I was backed into a corner and, um, (laughs) was, uh, struck several times and, um, I wound up raising my hands to protect my face, at which time my hand hit my wife's phone. My wife's phone hit her lip. My wife smiled at me and walked out the door and called the police, and I spent the night in jail. Um, The people that are close to me know about this. Uh, This is the first time I've really come out publicly and told everyone the great details of the story, but um, I spent, from that night, I got out of jail the next morning, And I started making the phone calls. Um, My department had already been contacted. um, Just props to my fire department. My chief, I I talked to him that next morning. And uh, he had already left me a message like, hey, call me as soon as you get out. I know what happened. Talk to me. And I let him know. I'm like, hey, look, this is what happened. I did not do this. I have a recruiting. I have proof. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't don't know what's going to happen to my family. I don't know what's going to go forward with this. But this is what I did. And just props to my chief. Like he um he's like, From here on out, you're <laughs> getting emotional here. <laughs> he says, From here on out, you talk to me and you talk to me only. And here's my cell phone number and you check in with me. And well, we're gonna get through this.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um Sorry. No, you're fine. You're
0: fine, man. Take your time.
1: Take your time. Uh, uh, um, um. So, the next um, six months, the next forty-seven days involved uh, no contact with kids. um, and several thousand dollars to be able to be heard in court. Um, During that time, I was allowed visitation after 47 days. Um, It took six months to finally make it to a courtroom after continuances were filed and everything else. So um, six months, I finally made it to a courtroom. I was not on the rig. Uh, Kannapolis took me off the rig and put me on administrative leave. Uh, My EMT status went in review, and I started working a separate job to keep the bills up and I had to immediately find a house to live in because North Carolina requires you to have a bedroom, one bedroom per gender of child. So I had to have a three bedroom house minimum or I wouldn't be allowed uh, rights to my kids. Um, I had to find that right away. Um, so I came off the rig, went into EMT um, interview, uh, went to the administrative leave um, and began a fight. And six months later, I was able to be in a courtroom with my recording that had been in my pocket the whole night. Proof that I was innocent of what I had been accused of. And the case was dropped without being hurt. Like it just got continued, continued, continued until they couldn't continue anymore. And when we reached that that morning, literally that hour, they're like, oh, we will dropping the case. Uh, so then began um, six more months of um, pursuing custody. And uh, I stayed off the rig. I kept working a nine to five job um i was that way i could have my i had my kids every other weekend that way i guaranteed to always have that off um and i could make court dates i was allowed to to make my own schedule um which was you know fun, the funny part i'm bouncing all over this i'm sorry but it's funny, no, part funny. Of each part of this whole the the interesting part of each part of this whole process of this battle i went through is the people that helped make this happen like the man that gave me The man that gave me the nine to five job was a friend of mine who ran a a contract service for fire departments. And he's like, Hey, you need to work. You got to fund a lawyer. You got to fight for your kids. You need to make your own schedule. Here's a job. Here's a truck. Here's a company credit card. Here, you just take this. You you, you fight for your kids. You work for me. You build your schedule. You tell me when you're not coming to work. And here you go. And that was a, uh, he's an astro fireman. Um, and I, I don't think he'd mind. His name's Josh Allard, one of the best humans in the world. um And he gave me the opportunity to do that so that I could fight. Um, and a brother that we mutually know from Ohio, that when I had to find a house, I had to immediately have a house to pursue custody of the kids. And that took the first month's rent plus a deposit. I had no money. My bank account was empty. um. And I had a brother from Ohio that sent me one fat check and he's like, put this on the house, get a house, fight for your kids. And there's you know, and then my crew, my crew at Kanapolis, the people I worked with, like the the morning in October that everything was wiped out, we were at work and my daughter was coming to to a birthday party that night and I told those guys, it's like I got nothing. Like I, I have zero dollars right now and like, Hey, you don't worry about it. They bought they bought my daughter's birthday cake. They bought my daughter's birthday cake. They made some food. They um, made sure there was no tension that night. I like, we just were great. And my whole story is riddled with, with people that did that stuff mm-hmm. uh, for us. So, mm-hmm. so that I could focus on this fight. Um. Fast forward to uh, about um November, December, yeah, about November, December of twenty twenty two. We had um we as in my, my, my family and my friends and I, they had been uh, we've been actively pursuing uh custody of my kids. Um and uh we're getting close to the fact that we were finally getting a chance to be heard in court um after about a year and uh made the decision to get back on the fire truck. And um, so I worked uh, for two departments part-time and uh, started entering into conversations again with Annapolis to figure out when they could bring me back according to their schedule and their staff. Because um, obviously they had to fill the seat while I was out, of course. And um, they were great. Just worked with me, whatever I had to do. The part- that department that I worked for worked my schedule, whatever I had to do. I got back on the fire truck, um, started working part-time at two places, And um, I walked out of the courtroom December 6th with a temporary order of custody that gave me rights to my kids again. And then we went back in uh, March, I believe. And um, I was able to get rights to my children, uh, permanent rights to my children um, in March. And then I went back on the fire to Minneapolis at the same time. Um, And just kind of settled back into new life um, so that, that's where that's where we're at now. We work uh, work 24/48 and uh, come back home, hang out with the kids. Grandparents are great. Like life is awesome. We, if you follow my story, we travel all over the place, see all kinds of cool stuff, do all kinds of cool stuff, and work at a great city, great crew, um, great firehouse. Like uh, it. Um, things are really really good now. Uh, it's just uh there there was there was a lot that had there was a lot that got fought through over the last two years to reach where we're at um and that that took a toll that um i know i know the that that's that's a very that's a very fast version of my story like we could dive into this for hours if we wanted to but um. There, there is a lot of guys that wind up in the same position that that I was in and I'm in now. Um, and we as many don't always handle it very well. Right. Um, I can tell you right now, I did not want to handle it well.
0: Like brother, I,
1: uh, um, I, I am, I am definitely a go after it person. Charge um, it right in the face type of mindset. And I was lucky enough to have really good people to help me, help bring me in and keep my focus. My brother was one, um, my brother was in a bad divorce. You know, his wife had cheating on him while he was in Afghanistan and um, came back to that. Um, and he helped me walk through a lot. Um, and other people that, that that really just helped keep me sane. A big one was uh, Chris Bessinger up in Ohio. Dude, I, I'll tell you, like he, he went through a rough divorce, rough child custody battle, and that man kept me, that man kept me level, like, oh, my God, we talked just about every day, and he he really kept me in the fight, kept me in the process, and got things, helped me learn lessons that I needed to learn through the ordeal, and to where now um, that I'm, now that me and my family were on the other side of this, um, I'm able to talk to men. That are going through this, and we're like, "Hey, man, like this, we can get through this. This is how we're gonna. This is how we're gonna do this. This is how we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do next." Um, and um, but I I think that's unfortunately, it's something that we face in our service. Um, I wish we did not. Uh, I think I think there are ways that we can prevent that, especially in. Especially as men, there are ways we can look inward and grow our own our own spirits and our own character, and prevent a lot of these things from happening. Um, but I think it, it takes those conversations that we have to have together, you know, and, and it, it takes someone looking at you and be like, "Hey, you're off you're off balance here. You need to fix this. Like, I'll walk with you. I'll work with you. You're my, my brother, but you're you are going to fix this, and no one can do it but you." Um, and I think I think that would I think that's something we need a lot more of in our culture, um, in our service for men that are going through this, um,
0: and to prevent men from having to go through this. If you know, God forbid, they have to face it. No, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I appreciate you sharing that very personal story. I, you didn't have to, but you expressed uh, that you, you you wanted to 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 talk about it. So first things first, though shout outs to your fire chief for stepping up and being a leader um we don't have very many uh that that will definitely do that for for, for their Uh-oh. guys um secondly it always helps when you have a badass crew that definitely has your back when you need yeah. it you know um the term brotherhood yep. gets thrown around a lot or people call you brother my sister blah 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 and When shit hits the fan, sometimes you turn around and your brothers are nowhere to be found. So, yep. Yep. um,
1: So can we touch on that real quick? Sure, sure. All right. So the list of people that stepped up through my battle, and I think social media helped a lot as far as the story, but social media only goes so far, right? If I, if you post up that you're having a hard time or need prayer and I say, Hey brother, I'm praying for you. That's nothing but a comment. When, it, when that turns into action and physical action, like directly affecting your life, that's that brotherhood. And I hear a lot of times people say brotherhood is dead. So, I, and I, I get that. I understand where they're coming from with that. At the same time, though, in my experience, the night that I had to find somewhere else to live, Joe Yowler is like, hey, Thomas Yow's campers in my backyard. You need somewhere to stay. You come sleep there. I'll cut the heat on. Here you go. Got you. Like from the very first day I had someone saying, hey, I got you. When I did not have the funds to buy a lawyer, I had sold my guns. I sold my leather helmets. I sold my tools. I sold I sold everything I could trying to get a better lawyer to fight for my kids. And I'm just like, man, I'm tapped. I had people and I won't name them specifically, but. I had multiple people through the fire service, both people I worked with and people that run these classes that we all go to. They're like, "I got you, hey, here's a check." You know what I mean? Like, here you go. You need this? Here you go. I had um, uh, citizens first and Twisted Fire Industries both supply furniture for my kids, the beds, the um, you know things for my house because I, I had nothing. My union uh, filled my refrigerator. Um, the Canpolis uh, assistance uh, Kfaf filled my pantry um, and like um, other other Kannapolis firemen and captains they sent me clothes they sent me furniture they sent me books they sent me papers they sent me things for school backpacks lunch boxes things that you're like well this is just normal but when you're a dad and you're fighting for custody you're dumping thousands of I was paying seventeen hundred dollars a month in child support between cash and insurance, etc. And you're dumping that into it and you're paying a lawyer and you're paying rent and you're just trying to survive. You know, and when the kids are over with you, you have to have groceries to feed them. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's just a nonstop constant sucking of you. And it sends you into this tailspin that you can't get out of. And the solution is, well, if he can't provide for the kids, we're going to take them away. Well, the reason he can't provide is because you're sucking them drunk. Right. And that's the frustration, right? That then, then, then the frustration sets in, then the anger sets in, then the other bad thoughts set in. And there is a list of people that stepped up and were like, we're going to get you through this. You keep fighting. You keep disciplined. You keep digging. That's all we ask. You keep digging. Here's some help. And um, that 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 was unspeakable like i just i don't even i don't know how to how to begin bragging on the people that made everything happen especially when they would go out of their way to do something for the kids like man if you my daughter's birthday october 2021 if you could have seen my kids faces hanging out of the firehouse cooking burgers on the black stone you know Riding around in the fire truck and, like, just having a great time. They had no idea what had happened that morning. Like, it might even 12 hours before. They had no clue. And they had no clue how absolutely wrecked their dad was and everything going on. And that's not because of me or my ability to maintain. That's because of the people, the crew that I was working with that day that stepped up and were like, we're going to cover your kids. Um, and, um, like I, and I, all but, uh, all but one of those guys are still with us. Uh, one of them passed away this past year. And, but man, the difference that those guys made on that day, that's the brotherhood that I got to experience. Right. And, and I experienced that through this whole process. The day, um, the day I walked out of the courtroom with custody rights, I, I put up a video on social media about it. I was blubbering like a baby, you know? And the amount of people that called me and text me and then um uh, was, was just just unreal. They're like, hey man, I'm so happy for you. Uh, Kyle Beard from Matthews, like he was with me through this whole thing. Man, there was there were so many days I'd be in this fight, I'd be so angry. I mean, just just furious because like if you've ever gone through these fights, they're nasty, they're vile. They are they they dig everything apart. And if you're a man, you are guilty until proven innocent. I don't care what anybody says about the system. You're 100% guilty until proven innocent if you're a man. And the frustration of that, and like, I don't care. I just want to be a dad. I don't care about anything else. I just want to be a dad. Just let me be a dad. Now, that anger will overwhelm you. And I would go to men like Kyle, and I'd just be like, man, I don't know what to do. He'd be like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go work out for an hour. We're going to absolutely obliterate your body. I'm going to laugh at you mm. while you struggle to keep up with me, and then we're going to talk. And you know what I mean? Like that brotherhood, that right there, the, the men, and I, I could name people over and over that did this, just that just stepped up for what I needed. Um, that's, that, that, that's irreplaceable. That's that's the brotherhood that I experienced. So when I hear people say "Well, brotherhood is dead, I – I can't say I agree with them. Like uh, I get where they're coming from, but mm-hmm. uh, I I have seen it with my eyes. My my kids have seen it. Like my kids know who these people are, and that that's a, that's amazing.
0: And 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 I truly believe it's all about who you surround yourself with. If you if you surround yourself with the right kind of people, you have the right mindset. You make sure that. <laughs> You know, your name is not drug through the mud. Like everybody knows, Tim is a hard worker. He cares about his children. When something goes down, they're going to have your back. So, um, no, that, so that's a, the,
1: Bible, the Bible. The Bible says a good name is better to be chosen than the great riches and loving favor. And favor, it's I mean um, the the more modern word would be respect, respect and um, admiration better than silver and gold that's what that's what the bible teaches us and um i think i think that's one thing that's important going going through this job going through life in general um is that that doing that doing things to where you have a, a good name again a name that's above approach you know what i mean that, right. that's that's the and i'll go ahead and tell you right now for a big part of my life I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to say it I did not have a name of love approach there, there there was a big part of my life um, where I did not I did not have a good name I didn't have a good reputation I'm not saying I do now I'm just saying there, there was a big part where if someone said well that guy lied it would be believable if you come right now and say hey Magoo lied about this I think there's going to be a lot of people that would be like oh I don't know um you know what i mean and right. I, I say that as humbly as possible but that's that's the type of name that as men not even just as firemen as men that we we need to strive for yeah. having that name that, that reputation of integrity it's like okay you may have a big mouth and be a little bit of an asshole at times but he's not going to lie to you right Ooh. that 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 type of reputation i think is important that that um that we bring back to manhood not just firemanship but actual actual manhood
0: okay all right um like i said i truly appreciate you sharing that you definitely didn't have to so um i I just want to say thank you for that uh but we're going to switch over to a lighter topic um fitness um everybody see yeah i I don't want to say everybody but i know i see you you post (laughs) daily hell i mean hell what uh before we started this interview, I saw you doing burpees at a truck stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing burpees at a truck stop. That's true. <laughs> So uh h- how important is physical fitness in uh you know in regards to the fire service?
1: Uh very, very much so. Um I can tell you where my journey started. Um it uh I remember specifically we had a fire on the fifth floor of Star Pet. It's up on the roof. There was like a, a massive HVAC unit that was on fire. Well I'm no, not being that big of a fire. It's at ashboro by the way. And um we were the first engine on the scene and we hauled our bundle up and our tools up and everything and we we do the we did the stair climb the whole way to it because we didn't know exactly where the fire was at. And by the time we got to the location of the fire, I was obliterated. I was two hundred and thirty five pounds, not good weight. This was this was bad weight. I'm five foot eight. I was two thirty five. I had small arms, like i I was just i was out of shape you know what i mean like i'm not i'm just i was not i was not fit to fight fire you know like um i was not ready for the job and i remember getting there being obliterated and then the next crew came up on the elevator because you know we had found a location where they could go they came up on the elevator and they took my nozzle and did my work and i remember watching that and i'm just like that's not gonna happen again um, and so that's kind of started, um, started a chain of events for me getting into physical fitness, um, from, uh, January of 2021 until November, uh, I lost 70 pounds. I went from 235 to 165 and then I started lifting and I got into the gym. I, I um, I went into it with this mindset that I joke all the time. I say, Hey, I want to. I want to be able to run a mountain and fight the grizzly bear when I get there. You know, I don't, I don't care about the state. I just want to run a mountain and fight the grizzly bear when I get there. And so I went into it with, with that mindset. And it's transformed for me into a way where I, I like being strong. I like lifting heavy. It keeps my mind right. It keeps me focused on something. Um, I I am ADHD as a mofo. Like I am straight on the spectrum. And, uh, <laughs> and it is it is so bad I, i'm like if you ever hung out with me and i'll go and say this on a podcast i don't care because i know the guys that i work with are listening right now a lot of times they will call me twitch because i'll sit here and have a little tick or a little twitch sideways you know okay. and okay. and uh like, that's me man like it it is what it is and so having having a good lift regimen it helps kind of dial all that in for me it Gives okay. me something to focus on it gives me a purpose and then um it, it's a it is a great sense of accomplishment being able to know that I'm strong enough to do my job I am fit enough to be able to get to where I need to be to do my job and then have the strength I need to do my job when I get there um and that that brings a lot of personal confidence for me um but it's it's, it's huge if we you know i uh, I tell people I'm like you know if you can if you can run a mile, let's say, let's say to, to accomplish a task, you must run a mile and pick up 200 pounds. Okay. If you can run the mile really quickly, but you can't pick up the weight when you get there, you're useless for the task. If you can't get there, but you can pick up the weight, you're useless for the task. You need to be able to be fit enough to get where you need to be and be strong enough to do the work once you get there. And especially in our job, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I need to if I'm, if I'm riding OV on the ladder truck, and I got to carry two ladders around the C side of the structure, throw both ladders, and then VES, I need to be able to do that. And um, if I'm on the engine company, and I got 100 foot on my shoulder, I got to stretch another 200 foot behind me, I got to go up four flights of steps, and make a stretch, and make a push, and, you know, potentially find a victim inside – I think many times we train in a fashion, I hope I'm not rambling here, but many times we train in a fashion to where, okay, you've made the stretch, boom, finish line. That's the starting point. We train in a fashion to where, oh, hey, you forced the door, boom, finish line. That's the starting point, bro. Welcome to the battle. Here we go. You know, you you throw the ladder. Oh, you threw a ladder bell. Congratulations. Okay, well, that's cool. The ladder is there for you to get to the starting point. So let's keep going. And um, if you don't have physical fitness as a priority, you're not going to be able to accomplish that. There is no, um, there is no see, I see red button.
0: It doesn't uh-huh. exist.
1: Uh-huh. Like it, 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 then we have, I think we still have a culture in our fire service that thinks, well, you know, once I'm on the ground, I'll put the work in. That's nice. Right. You might accomplish one task. Right. right? Well, what about the rest you have to do? What about, what about when things don't go right? What, what about when you make the most beautiful 350 foot stretch ever, just to realize you now need to get back out and wrap that hose back around the structure to another unit because you went to the wrong place for whatever reason. What about that fitness? And, um, I I think that's, I think that's the, I think that's, that's where the importance of being able to be fit to do this job, you know, I hate when I hear guys say, hey, he's really smart. You know, he's out of shape, but he's really smart. Well, thank you. I appreciate your knowledge. But if you can't go do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what purpose do you serve in this right. job? This is a doing job. This is a blue collar job. If if you cannot physically complete the tasks that we must do for the sake of other people's lives, then maybe you should find a different thing to do. No, I, I think I might have went on. No, there no, there. no, you're good.
0: You're good. It's true. Everything you said is true. And we have what what some people would say, like if, if somebody describes, hey, what do you think about such and such? He's a good dude, but the butt's always the catalyst to the to the person. He's a good dude, but I wouldn't go with him in a fire. Oh, well, why not? Yeah. He's out of shape. But we we all some departments allow that where they know hey this person a very good employee okay they they're a great employee but how are they on the fire ground where it truly matters how are they and how are they physically fit wise for the department um yeah it's, it's one of those subjects where people want to tiptoe around because unfortunately we're in a society where we can't tell somebody hey uh you're you're out of shape you need to because we're afraid of lawsuits or defamation of character or whatever it is but it's one of those things where we need to remember why we're here for it's great to be in smart it's great to be a nice person but you got to be an all-around nice good person but also able to perform on the five round
1: um I, and the thing you said you know we, we tiptoe around why do we tiptoe around if we stop tiptoeing around then what do we have to have we have to have accountability Accountability is very tough. Accountability is a hard conversation. Accountability is when I, like me, if, if I go and I make a stretch and I screw up my stretch or, you know, I stretched the, lo- the wrong location or I'm not physically able to make that stretch. Now who's accountable? I'm accountable. And we don't want to hold each other accountable in training and drill time. And I think that's a problem.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, you know, I'm I'm very blessed with my situation. I work for a captain and a driver. Uh, there's four of us assigned to the engine, and all four guys are gung ho firemen about the job. Um, and I like I'm lucky enough to have like my driver. He knows the ins and outs. Like this dude, this dude is a better fireman than I will ever hope to be, and like knows. Every single facet of what our engine has to do and is physically able to do it. Also, my captain is the same way, and he's one of those captains that demand. Like he, he will definitely take the time to teach you what you need to know. But excellence is demanded, and we're going to drill. We're going to run the set. We are going to make the stretch. And when we're done, we're going to come back and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only been with them. I've been assigned to this crew for only a few months now. And right off the bat, like we, you know, I'm, I'm an engine guy. I'm a nozzle guy. Guys know me for that. I made my very first stretch, very first stretch with this crew. And the captain's like, so why'd you do that? And I was like, my first thought was actually, I don't know why I did that. Like he he's like specifically analyzing each facet of my stretch and I was like, I don't know. I didn't have a reason. He's like, well, I would recommend you went this way. And here's my reason. And it was like a light bulb. I'm like, dude, like he's exactly right. Like, the, because the guy understands the task. And I think and what that is, that that's holding me as a nozzle man accountable. And then it's holding him as the captain accountable. Holds the driver accountable for the placement of the rig. And when you establish the culture of holding each other accountable to be exceptional, at the task that you are assigned to, that's where you have a win recipe. And, you know, that's, that's where you're able to make the difference. I think, I think that, I think the accountability is the thing that we need to definitely have a a good shot in the arm of in the fire
0: service. No, hundred percent agree. And we can't pick and choose when we want the accountability, accountability to be held. We cannot pick and choose Mm -hmm. and, and, when we do pick and choose, and yeah. don't be surprised when an individual does example A, nothing happens. Another individual does example B, and you discipline yeah. the example B and wonder why there's a, a thrift within the department. Because the department's going to see yeah. what's going on.
1: That's right. When the, When your ticket gets punched, there's nowhere to hide. That's it. I mean, when your ticket gets punched, there is nowhere to hide. You must be able to do the job, and we're gonna know right then what type of training you've been doing, what type of um, what type of accountability you hold each other to. You know, we're gonna know. Like, there's, um, I'm, I'm gonna reference my crew again. Um, I know, like my captain has different fires have different plays, like like a football playbook. Uh-huh. It's literally like we we rehearse. Hey, this type of fire from this location, I want this this type of action being taken. Um and that's not that's not a, a hard line drawn, but that's like this is this is my expectation. And it is it's literally having having that detail uh in place. And so that when your ticket gets punched, you're like, oh I got this. This is this is a Tuesday. You know what I mean? You know, we're we're at a hotel and there's fire showing from three windows in on the second floor. I don't have to think about what we're doing. I don't have to get all like, you know, lost in the sauce. I can, I know, Hey, this is that play. This is play B, whatever. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. we do this. We, I know what's expected. And that's where that, that's where that accountability, you know, that's where, that's where it comes in
0: right there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. 100% correct. 100% correct. Um. Uh, uh, last topic. I know you want to hit on uh, what you kind of did already—the mental health side. So,
1: um, here. I know for me, the biggest struggle that I ever had in mental health was going through this divorce and custody process. Um, and I'd be lying if I said it still doesn't affect me. Like I, I still have days when I get frustrated. I got, I got a. I have to care what I say here. I got a text message last night that I was called uh, a bunch of different names by my ex. Absolutely no state. Like, there's a bunch of nonsense. But that can cause you, that can cause men to weigh on our brains. That can cause you to get bitter and frustrated. And um, when I face that now, in the position that I'm in, it doesn't bother me because I have my kids and I have protection against my kids being taken away. Right. When I faced that without that protection, when I did not have my kids, when my life was upside down, when I had nowhere to live, that is a whole nother battle. That it, And you you can definitely get those feelings of, this is not worth it. I don't want to be here. Um. So I know me personally, I can't speak to every mental health battle. I can only speak to the ones that I've been, right. Right. I, I, got to, I don't understand that every other man's battle. Um, I understand the the mental health struggles of bad calls because I've been on some bad calls. And um, I understand the mental health struggles of divorce and custody and children being taken away because I have experienced that. And um, so I, I can talk about that. To 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 understand, um, I know. Well, I'm trying to my words here. How I don't want to phrase this, I know when you are in a position where you're a man, your children have been taken away, based off of a lie that you know is false, but you are automatically presumed guilty. It puts a lot of strength You take that. And then you you have to walk away from your, your career, your dream job, essentially something you've worked very hard for. That that's a lot of strength. You the home that you built, that you provided for, right? The, the home that you like struggled to to put in place that's gone. So everything you have worked for as a man. Trying to be a provider has been stripped away. That mental health struggle is something that is, for many men, becomes unbearable. Um, and the the issue comes. This this is we might not get into a little couple of different things here, but um, the issue comes. People say, okay, if you're having mental health issues, especially with these type of issues, go talk to someone. Right, that's what we say. Go. Talk someone. Go talk to a professional. I can tell you, if you are a man in a custody battle, it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, and I'm sorry. If you're a man in a custody battle for your children, and you go and talk to a professional, that can potentially be used against you in court. And I have had that conversation with mental health advocates, and they get very upset when I say that. And they're like, no, it's protected. Yes, your conversation is protected. However, the fact that you had a conversation is not protected, no matter what they say. And I witnessed this happen. I I was struggling. I was having a hard time. I'm sitting in court. I don't have my kids. I want to see my kids. And everything in my life is, uh, is a nightmarish turmoil. And I'm sitting in court, and I'm waiting for yet another continuous to hit again, longer time without my kids. And I'm like, I'm not doing good up here in my brain. I'm not good at all. I want to talk to somebody, but I don't know who to talk to. Well, maybe I should go talk to someone, right? It's all going through my brain. And I watched a man in the courtroom stand in front of a judge, and his that man's um, ex-wife brought up the fact that that man has sought help from a mental health professional. That judge used that fact to tell that man, we're going to go six more months. With no visitation rights. And that man broke down in the floor because he had done the right thing. He's like, I'm struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're like, Well, are you thinking about killing yourself? Well, yeah, you just took my entire reason for living away. Of course, I'm wondering, is this even worth it anymore? You just stripped my whole life away from me. And everything that I love is gone. Of course I'm having this problem. Like, who wouldn't? That that's not that's not a bad like that. That is a normal response and um this man he tried to do the right thing and he was honest about it and that got used against him so i'm sitting there in the courtroom knowing i'm struggling myself and i'm like i ain't telling y'all nothing i ain't mm-hmm. going to say
0: no mm-hmm. that you
1: ain't going to take me you know what i mean that's what's right. going through my head right and so what do we do we don't have anyone to talk to because you can't and then you have those nights where the anxiety and the depression and the pain of not being able to see those children it hits you so bad I know me personally man there were a really nights nice. I just wanted to take my car and drive 100 miles an hour into a turn and hold the wheel straight and ride an oak tree like that that's what I wanted to do I just I, I, but I don't I'm not the guy to have suicidal thoughts but at the same time like you just took my whole living away from me and the woman that woman looked at me when she took the kids, she looked at me and she said, I will ruin you and you will never see your children again. That is the line that I am beginning all of this off. Right? And so that that drives you into a state where your mental health is trashed. And then you go to try and talk to a mental health professional like you should do, and they use that against you. So it's just a spiral downward. So that's a lot of problems. That's a lot of negative, I like just said. What's the solution? The solution is having that peer support. Those brothers, those sisters, a step up, and it's not just saying, "Hey, man, if you have a problem, call me." That is you reaching out to them, being like, "Hey, you were on my mind. I know you're going through a battle. How are you doing?" Right. People did that for me. There was many, many nights that I was having a horrible struggle. I was not doing good at all. Like it was terrible, and Brian Abbott would just randomly, out of the blue, call me and be like, "Hey." You were on my mind. How you doing? And I know. Um, did you interview Brian or was he on? You know, I can't remember if
0: you interviewed. Uh, Brian. Or if I, he, I have he, not. No.
1: It, it might have been the scrap he was on. But uh, so Brian tells a story in his uh, the the interview he did recently about a Bible that someone sent to him, right? And um, and that really helps him through his mental health struggles. And then he mentions in that story, he's like, "Hey, I've already passed that on to another brother who's." You know, being that helped him when he was going through a hard time. So I did not know any of this when that came out. But about two months into my battle, a Bible with no address on it showed up at my door. I found out later on that it was from Brian. And we've since then we've had this conversation, and he signed it for me, and he he mailed it to me. And um, but like that's not something I reached out for. That is something that somebody specifically knew I was going through a hard time and said, hey, look, I'm going to help you. What, what do you need? I don't care what it is. Justin Frazee, like, man, there was many nights he called me. He's like, hey, are you mad? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of mad. All right, cool. You want to scream with somebody for a little while? And, like, that was our conversation. Or, you know, Chris Kessinger, we talked Um Many different people, like, we would, they would make the point of saying, hey, I know you're in a jam. I know you need to talk to someone and because of the position you're in, you really can't, Mm -hmm. you can't go to a profession, right? You need to, that's the right thing. Those professionals are there for a reason. They are a good thing. I'm glad they're here. But when you're in the position that I was in, they can, that can be used against you and that just makes it even worse. Um, So having, having people that, let me change that. The rest of us being those people that reach out to people and saying, hey, brother, you're on my mind. Um, that's important. That's something that, that that I try and do and that um, I think that we, we can all do. And it's not hard. You know, you just text somebody and be like, hey, you're on my mind. How you doing? That's it. Something like that will keep a brother here um i gotta i gotta be careful what i say about this because this (laughs) is still in the works but uh i've been having some conversations with about a dozen different guys and um we are actually working on something trying this year to take some kind of proactive steps in that direction specifically for the men that were in there and each one of us each one of the guys on this list that I'm talking to have been through a very similar battle that I have been through. And, um, I think, uh, and, uh, I think that us as, as men and women in this service that we do, I think that we, we can do a better job of being that person. You know, it's, it's easy to say, you got to have those people around. Well, someone has to be that. And I think we need to do a better job of being that person that reaches out to someone. And it's like, Hey man,
0: I don't even know you that well, but,
1: like, you're on my brain. I know you're going through it. I don't just want to be like, oh, man, I hate it for him. Send a text. Make a phone call. Right. That's it. Right. I think that can go a long way towards keeping us keeping us steady and stable and helping us stay that course and um, come out
0: of the dark area where you're at. Okay.
1: All right. I
0: hope that made sense no dude I, I love it I love the message I love your words I love the experience uh I don't want to say I love the experience but um uh I I've heard this before that uh the man upstairs never gives issues to people who can't ha- who can't handle it you know I'm kind of paraphrasing it but I I I yeah. I, just, I just want to say thank you thank you and um it, it all those people that you named they are. They are who they are for a reason. Those people are, and I don't wanna I don't wanna like put them put them on the spot, but they are the reason why people look up to them. Like Brian Added, yeah. Chris Kessler. Right. Uh they're, they're a reason why you are heavy hitters in 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 people's lives, like Corley Moore. Anybody that's doing anything yep. positive for the fire service, there's a reason why you're here, and there's a reason why you are looked up to by others coming up behind you. So wow. I, I just want to say thank you for, for, for coming on and, and doing this.
1: You mentioned that phrase about uh God doesn't give you what you can't handle. And um that comes from a Bible verse. It says, uh he will not tempt you above what you are able. Um, and a lot of times people like to they they take that and they like to use the line of you know you ever heard the, you heard the phrase uh, God sends his strongest storms to his strongest sailors or stuff like that uh-huh, uh-huh. You, you ever heard that before uh-huh. so, so I get that but also I kind of laugh when I hear that you ever um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give me like thirty seconds so you take a um, you take a ship in a storm what's on a ship a bunch of sailors right and they go through a bad storm and they're struggling. And you got a young sailor who's never been through that battle before, has no idea how to face that battle, right? How does he get through it? There's an old sailor on that boat who has already been through that kind of storm and stays calm through that storm and rides it out with them. Be like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. Like, yeah, you're terrified by these waves, by this lightning, by this thunder, by the rocking of the boat. But I've been here before. You know what I mean? I've rode this out. With, with my experience with many other people's experience that's a storm it's a battle you go through and i can look at somebody and be like hey man i've been here before i've wrote this out and i think that's where we get through those bad storms those tough storms that god sends in our lives you know and and having having those people that step up they're like hey we got this i've been here let's do it um that's what popped in my head when you mentioned that line no
0: no you're fine like i said it, 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 everything was well said well said tim um like I said, man, I appreciate you coming on and talking. Um, I I think by you sharing your experiences, I'm sure, which I'm sure, you know, but I'm sure there are other firefighters out there who are dealing with the same thing or who have dealt with this issue. So, um, like I said, I can't thank you enough, pal. Seriously.
1: Hey, anyone listen to this who, and I know, man, I ramble on, I am not the person to talk to anybody who, who, who listens to this and, um, here's this, please, if you're going through this type of battle that I went through, please, 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 please message me. Like we, I have these conversations weekly. This is a regular thing. Like, please contact me. Um, don't feel awkward about it because the, That's the only way to get through this, you know. I was, I only survived what I went through because of the men that I have surrounded myself with, and they had been through the same thing. So, just throwing that out there to anybody listening.
0: Well, uh, like I said, I appreciate it and I appreciate your words, Tim. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. All right, all right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at student of the Game podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.